Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey guys, this is Sheena Shea from Vanderpump Rules, and I want to invite you to the party I'm throwing every week, my new podcast, Shenanigans. I'm going to be getting into some crazy conversations with friends like my first guest, Ariana Maddox. We're cranking it up to 11, playing games, telling juicy stories, and holding nothing back as we get into some Sheena-level nanigans. That's why it's called Shenanigans, duh. So download new episodes every Tuesday starting March 6th on the Podcast One app at podcastone.com. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And welcome to Dr. Who Podcast. Uh, we appreciate you checking us out. Remember to click through the Amazon banner on the website at drdrew.com. Don't forget the other the other shows we got, the Hashtag You Live, the Weekly Infusion. Oh, we got a bunch of good podcasts over there. New one, Swole Patrol. Check it out with Mike Catherwood, a health and fitness podcast. Be a part of it at drdrew.com, the YouTube page, the Facebook page. Please, we appreciate your support. It is my distinct privilege to welcome to the Dr. Who Podcast today Tarek El Moussa, is that pronouncing it right? Tarek El Moussa, yeah. El Moussa. What, what's, is that re- Egyptian? Is that? Actually, yeah, my dad comes from the uh, Middle East and my mom comes from Belgium. It, so, in the Middle East, what country? Uh, from Egypt, Egypt. actually. Yeah, yeah. It sounds Egyptian to me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, everyone knows him from the HGTV Flip or Flop. Check out the website for airtimes, hgtv.com. You can follow him on Instagram at the real terror. I'm gonna get nice. I know. I don't know. I don't know what Tarek my parents were thinking when they gave me that name. I, I know, right? And uh, where were you? Where'd you grow up? I, I grew up in uh, Buena Park, California. Oh, perfect with that name. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure your buddies had no trouble with it. <laughs> you do a lot of charity work. Tell me about that. Well, Tarek. I've done a lot of cancer stuff. So I work with the Lazarus Foundation. Obviously, uh, they do clinical trials with the Dornside family, which is big with USC, uh, USC. So it's a really great organization. And there's also the Movember group I work with for men with testicular cancer and creating awareness because you know. Dr. Drew. As you know, most people, especially men, don't really check into things like that. And no, no, we are notorious. Yeah. One of the biggest things, like, you know, people say check. Well, like, if you were to ask me, I was like, okay, I'm checking. I'm grabbing, but what the hell am I checking for? Yeah. Not only that, it's it's really just a matter of, you know, we don't like seeing doctors. We don't like asking for directions. I, and I'm as bad as anybody. And, you know, I had prostate cancer and it's just, Ooh. oh, yeah. And uh, because my wife sent me in, because she had an instinct, something went right. And I had some very good health care. And uh, that, you know, that's what it ended up being. I would never have gone in. Even when I went in, I was very resistant. I'm like, oh, you know, so what the PSA is up. It's still normal. Relax. I'll come back in six months. Do it again. And then when it came time for a biopsy, I'm like, it's, I'm pissed at everybody now. Like, you're biopsy. You're biopsying this. This is way overkill. Like, it's like, forget it's me. And then, then the diagnosis came back. I'm like, eh, I'll deal with it in a year or something. Yeah. I tell you, all, nothing could happen to me. Like, the <laughs> reason I went to the doctor is because I was always clearing my throat and I was having a hard time talking. It was really bad because, like, my thyroid was growing bigger and bigger. Mm. And it's like you look in the mirror every day and you can't see yourself aging. So, what happened was it was slowly growing and I didn't realize it. So, my mom, actually, of all people, made me go to the doctor. Mm. And then I went to the doctor and they said it was nothing. Apparently, it was something. Well, thyroid cancer is usually on one side bigger than the other. Do you have both sides growing? You have multiple nodules it, or something? It was right in the middle. Right in the it middle was line. like, yeah. I mean, it was so long, it was in like the, a golf in, ball. In the isthmus. Yeah. Was yeah. that where it was? Yeah, it was in right right here yeah. where they cut it out, right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I didn't know if it was my Adam's apple or what it was, but. Now, there's, several, there's, there's sort of three sort of general categories of prostate cancer, right? There's medullary car- the carcinoma, so that's papillary yeah. carcinoma, and there's, you know, you know aggressive thyroid cancer, which is nasty. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was stage three, so I went in there. They removed some lymph nodes. Do you know what and, type? Um, Papillary? 
I believe papillary. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, don't, they, don't still, they still put you on thyroid medicine? Oh, yeah. I have no thyroid. So now I take levothyroxine and I take Cytomel. And yeah. I always tell people the worst part about the thyroid cancer yeah. is not the cancer, not the treatments, the aftermath. I mean, once your hormones get affected and your levels are off, it cr- creates mood swings, depression, anxiety. Yeah. Um, and it, re- it was really, really difficult to get back to a normal level. To get the right mix. Some people, some people are really easy. We just give them a simple – almost any dose, their body converts it properly and, and – they get what they get, but other people need a lot of adjusting. Yeah, it was a double whammy because I had the thyroid cancer and testicular cancer at the exact same time. Really? At the same time? Same time. Diagnosed at the same time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I found out about the thyroid cancer and went to the doctor. So because of that, me and my ex-wife, Christina, looked through old medical records. Long story short, I had a, to have a physical with an irregular testicle exam. And my doctor never sent a referral, and I'm a young, busy guy, and I'm not paying attention. Ugh. So because of that, actually, I found out I had that. I was at the thyroid cancer building, uh, and that same day we set up an ultrasound at the building next of, to of it. Of the testes. Yeah, the yeah. testes. I didn't think it was nothing. I thought it was nothing. So I'm talking to the x-ray tech, and we're just shooting the shit, having a good time. And all of a sudden, he got really quiet. And it was it was one of those experiences where I'm like, oh, shit. He's yeah, like, why, oh, yeah. why are you so quiet? And I, I asked him, I was like, why are you quiet? And he's like, oh, I'm not. I'm like, come on, dude. You're quiet. Like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm not a doctor. And then he goes, well, you're in pain? I'm like, Huh? He's like, well, if you're in pain, the emergency room's down the hall. So right when he said that, I was like, shut. Um, so half hour later, I found out testicular cancer, and they're the, sched- the, scheduling with, surgery. So hold on, the the radiologist diagnosed the testicular cancer, or somebody else showed up? Well, the thing is, they weren't supposed to tell me anything. Yeah, but I kind of pressed it, and he like kind of beat around the bush and said, well, if you're in pain, you should go to the emergency room. So did you go to the ER? Yeah, it was like 100 feet down the hall, and then he gave the doctor the report at the emergency room. Uh, I see. So they 20 minutes later, like, you have testicular cancer, by the way. I'm like, shit. Okay, all right. And yeah. they were treating the thyroid at the time? Uh, yeah, we were at the beginning stages. Oh, my God. How was the thyroid treated other than surgery? Uh, they removed it, and I did the radioactive iodine treatment. Okay, good. Um, which was kind of an interesting experience. They give you a big old metal pill. Yeah. And um, they laser you in hazmat suits. And I was thinking, huh, yeah. this has to be good for me. And they're not allowed to – you can't be around <laughs> kids or anything for exactly. a few weeks. Oh, it's it was awful. Pregnant women. Uh, nothing. I didn't even go home. You know, after that, I ended up staying at my buddy's house. He's a fireman. I was like, oh, you know, I'm radioactive, right? He's like, I don't care. How long ago was this? Uh, that was 2013. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you, you had a sort of a public breakup with your wife. Yeah. When was that? Uh, That actually came out in December of, what was that, 16? It's been a year now. When you say it came out, was there already trouble well before it so-called came out? Yeah. We had separated before it actually came out. And and was this cancer a key issue in the decompensation of the relationship? There's so many contributing factors. You know, life is moving so fast. You know, bought a house, remodeling the house. Um, I mean, to to be honest, yeah. Um, my hormonal levels were off and I wasn't feeling really well a lot of the time and I just wasn't being the best person I could have been. And there's so much going on with TV and, you know, the notoriety and the finances and so many different things happening all at one time. It just kind of slowly, uh, you know, pulled us apart. Now, you're still doing flip or flop. Still doing flip or flop. We're shooting season seven right now. And I think you and she, yeah, me and Christina, we're still shooting. We're shooting tomorrow. And I think this season is going to be the absolute best season ever. I mean, we bought some really cool houses. We bought a house that all of a sudden we're filming. There's a huge uh, boa constrictor steak. We bought a house with pigeons, house with chickens. Um, I mean, you name it, we bought it. So this season is going to be really, really good. And, and what, how is that working with your ex? Are you divorced now? Yeah, just, we're we're officially divorced. How was that working together? That you know, weird. it's like anything. You know, you can imagine uh, you're working with someone, and one day you're no longer living together, and you separate, and you still have to put your pants on, put your shoes on, and go to work the next day. So it was a very difficult experience. Um, 
But as time went on, it obviously got easier and easier. And at the end of the day, we have a job to do. We have a family to support. You have kids? We have kids, a seven-year-old daughter, two-year-old son. Uh, and um, that's the motiv- motivating factor to get to work. And you guys co-parenting now effectively and stuff? Absolutely. Everything's and going great. You're getting along okay? Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like she was angry. <laughs> Seemed like it. Just saying it from afar. Howard, I, it, it Howard. Seemed, I, well, I don't. I don't like these public breakups because I know that whatever you're seeing is not what's happening. I just like eh, it, it was. It's it was awful. Very different than it was. Know. It was. It was. I just let you be honest. It was awful. I mean, there was more. There was more PR about our divorce than any divorce I think I've ever seen. I mean, it was yeah. wild on every single magazine on every news outlet. It was just beyond me. Yeah. Did you just duck, just like ignore it? I mean, yeah, I just pretty much ignored it. Yeah. I mean, there's certain stuff we just got to just like duck. Yeah. And it, and, it, and I, it's hard when the internet and the social media and all the BS and all the, you know, sort of people's – and you have no recourse. You have no just cause. You oh, know, my. There's, there's so many times I'm calling Howard, my PR guy, and I said, listen, I need to call this magazine. I need to light him up. Like, and he's no, like, nope, shut up. Just, stay yeah, quiet. Just, just duck. I'm like, then, fine. Then you need that guidance because there, there probably is a time. He probably would tell you if it were a time to – Step in, you know, but he yeah. knows that's his job to so know when that time is. Absolutely. Ugh. So you grew up in Buena Park. Let's see if there's any other stuff I got to get into with you. You've been how long have you been in real estate? Oh, I got into real estate when I was 20 years old. Actually, wow. I believe that was uh, 2003. Oh, so it was not right after the crash. You already were in it. Oh, I got I got into real estate in 2003. Then the crash caused you to do the flip or flop stuff. Um, well, you know, I was selling uh, selling real estate and then. At the time, Christina had graduated college, and she came to work for the same company. She ended up working for me. Um, that's kind you guys, of is that how your relationship started, or yeah, yeah. It's working. She was working for that company. Yeah, and then she started working for me, and I, I was selling a bunch of houses, and I was, you know, had a successful team, and obviously, I was young. I was king of the world. I was making a lot of money, and I was an egomaniac because I was smarter than everybody else, of course, because I was young making money. And then I got my ass handed to me, of course, when the economy changed, mm-hmm. and I realized I am no different than anyone else, mm-hmm. um, which is actually a really, really good lesson. It's important, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, what, where's, what's her background? Where did she grow up? Uh, she grew up in Anaheim Hills. So uh, both of you guys grew up in Orange County. Yeah, Orange County. You said Buena Vista? Uh, I'm Buena Park. Buena Park. Buena Park. Uh, Not Sperry Farm. Yeah, yeah. Because Buena Vista is like where the Nixon thing is, right? Or is that Buena? Oh, that's your Belinda. Your Belinda. Why do I get these all confused? Buena Vista is a street in Buena Park, I think, or near there. Yeah, it's in your Yeah, that's your Belinda. Your Actually, Belinda. that's where me and Christina lived, your Belinda. Oh, how weird. That's random. Yeah, that, and so I that's in, where the Nixon Library is for yeah. people that are from other parts of the country. Yeah, exactly. And, and Anaheim Hills is sort of the kind of the nice inland part of Orange County. Uh, and my, my father-in-law had a hardware store at the base of the Anaheim Hills in uh, Newport and Tustin where they cross. Okay, that, yeah, where yeah. That Trader Joe's is. Yeah, yeah I know where it was. there is. for like 50 years, 60 years maybe. Jeez. Weird, right? And um, so I know that area pretty well. And I, and I kind of kind of grew up in Orange County. I spent a lot of time down in Orange County when I was a kid. I, I like I like that whole area. And so I, I get where you guys came from. And, and she came from Anaheim Hills. You came from, you, Buena, from Buena Vista, which is Buena Park. Not, Buena Park. Buena not, Park. Not, Buena, not very far. Not very far. Not very far. Yeah. Which is different than Anaheim Hills. Oh, very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely had a different upbringing. And, um, and, well, what did her parents do? Um, well, her dad is in sales, and yeah. her mom is actually a very smart engineer. Yeah, I was going to say, usually it's professionals, stuff like that. And your parents? Um, well, they were both immigrants from other countries, but my mom so was- Egypt a, and Belgium. And yep. what, what made them come over here? Um, you know, they well, they lived together in Egypt. Um, that's where they met. My mom was a flight attendant, and there was a civil war going on. A rocket hit their apartment and blew it up, so they fled the country. Holy um, yeah, and they moved to Europe. Had you been born yet or anything? No, yeah. no. It was before. And then they yeah. moved to Europe, and after that, they, they moved go? to the states, uh, Belgium, actually. Yeah. And then um, this funny story: they moved down here. You know, they had no no idea where they were. They yeah, moved, why they moved they... to like Watts or something, and 
it was like I hear the stories and they're just so funny. So my dad's an engineer and my mom's a school teacher. In 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 Buena Park. Yeah. Well now well they got divorced, so uh oh. Uh, my mom just retired and my dad just retired. How how old were you when they got divorced? Uh, I was eighteen years old. Mm. You have siblings? Yeah, I have a sister, thirty nine. Everybody born here? Everybody's born here, yeah. yeah. And uh, how did the hell so they were in Belgium it must be cool but at least three languages being spoken in your house, I bet. Oh man, they speak French, Italian, yeah. Spanish, English, like all these different languages. I'm barely speaking English over here. <laughs> no so you know, anybody else in your family pick up I mean your you and your sibling pick up languages or they were the uh, I speak a little bit of French, yeah, um, but primarily. To go back and see that family of origin that's from you know your mom's family. You know, so. both my grandparents recently passed, so oh. I haven't been there in a what while. What part of Belgium was she from? Uh, right outside of Waterloo. It's the you know the hill Napoleon Hill they have yeah. out there. The battle. That's like you can see that from my grandparents' How house. How weird is that? Yeah, yeah. Is that I don't know where in Belgium is that southern Belgium? I have no idea. Yeah. I think it's like forty five minutes from Brussels. I'm just wondering if it's more Flemish Flanders than than. Uh, yeah, big Flemish uh, yeah. over there too. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, and your dad, we, the Egyptian side, is he is he Muslim? No, he's actually Catholic. Oh, interesting. Which is unique. So yeah, he he grew up in the Middle East, but from a Catholic uh, family. In the background is the Phoenicians, um, which I don't know too much about that stuff. But yeah, they were Catholic, which was hard to be Catholic in the Middle East at that time. Wait, Phoenicians? Tell me more about that. I'm fa- oh, totally fascinated. I don't know too much about it, but I know the history of the family is Phoenician. Wow. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I should, I should probably look at a. I should probably study it. Well, it's it's a piece of history I really don't know. I always think about the Venetians being somehow related or around at the, the hotel. Same time. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, the the Venice. Do you know anything about Phoenix? The Venetians? Not much. Yeah, I really don't either. Uh, okay, and so your childhood was just sort of normal Southern California middle class. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Buena Park in public schools, and no, I played played a lot of sports. No and, trauma. No no um, big event. No big. Or were there traumas or? I mean, obviously, you know, I didn't. Some someone say I grew up in a rougher area. Did you? Did you? I mean, that's not super rough, though, was it? Um, you know, I spent a lot of time down in Buena Park, Norwalk, and then so, it was kind of all over the place. So, what happened? You get in a gang or anything? Oh no, nothing like that. It was just you know, we we're just young, stupid kids. Vandalism or? Yeah, just being dumb, I, stupid I, I kids. Want, I don't want you to admit to anything, but yeah, <laughs> but, no. but I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how how bad it got for you. Yeah, I saw a little bit of everything, but yeah, you know, there was, you know, obviously there was fightings and gangs and different things like that. And that's why it was actually really important for me to, you know, do something and make something of myself so I can, you know, live a life that I see people living on TV and things like that. Did your parents understand you were going through all that at the time? Uh, I would say not really. So it was just sort of on the DL. You were out. That's just. I mean, they knew, but they just, they didn't really, I mean, they were from another country. Yeah, you know? that's so, what I would imagine. Yeah, they, they didn't really understand what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, th- this was what, the 90s? This was, yeah, 90s. That's when all like, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and all those guys and the cross colors. I used to wear all that funny oh my God. bright orange pants and Crazy. Buy, and the Frisco Benz and shopping at the swap meet. And it's just, a, I look back, it was a totally different life. The swap meet at the, that big drive-in? The Santa Fe, <laughs> yeah. The Santa Fe drive-in by, to go by there. the five? Yeah, yeah. It's funny, oh actually. God. I used to play hockey, actually, when I got older. I played in Norwalk and my... The the practices were at like nine thirty or nine o'clock at nine every single night. Driving home from hockey to my yeah, house, I'd yeah. listen to Loveline. Love yeah, yeah. Back in the day, so funny. And were you hockey like in in Norwalk? There's a rink in Norwalk. Well, there, yeah, there. I don't, I don't know if it's still there. It's actually a really interesting rink because one side was glass and the other side was a block wall. So you were checking people into a block wall. Oh, I've never seen Jesus. so many people get hurt playing hockey oh in my, my life. God. It was awesome. Oh, <laughs> craziness. 
Uh, so what are the sports you play? Uh, baseball, football, ice hockey, did a little bit of wrestling, did a little boxing, oh, so uh, dirt biking. No football, though. I did play football. Yeah. yeah, pretty much everything. And this was all high school level or? Yeah, yeah. And so, what high school was that? I actually, so what, I kind of got my shit together, I guess you'd say, when I was about 15, 16. Yeah, and, uh, athletically. Just in general, my entire life got a lot better because I moved um, where I was living. The district changed. So actually, I went to a nice, much nicer high school. Ah. And that's where I kind of rebuilt myself. So, so uh, just so I make, I got this right. So you moved or the district changed? The district changed. So you didn't move. where my house was, I was able New to district. go to a, a high school in the city of Fullerton. Oh, got it. And before that, it was sort of a- Buena Park schools. And there was, it's it sound, I, the kinds of things you're describing, I always associate more with like Santa Ana, that kind of thing. Was it that kind of stuff? If you're looking at Buena Park in the early 90s, a lot different than today. That's what I'm hearing. And I, because I, yeah. I, yeah Much different. Yeah, I mean, did have you flipped uh, houses in that area just out of curiosity? Because, yeah, because that area like came up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I flipped a bunch of houses in Buena Park. How funny! And it's weird being like back in the hometown, flipping houses and seeing all the old places and the pool halls we used to go to. And, oh my god, that's crazy! Did, yeah. did that go on TV? Uh, yeah, the shows did. Yeah, did absolutely. you talk about that? Like, here's no, no. <laughs> that would have been so it's interesting. All, it's all about the houses. That would have been so much more interesting if they <laughs> had know. done that. It's like the social distortion song, "Story of My Life." Oh yeah. Yeah, reminds me of that. Well, he's from down there. Mike, Mike Ness is from sort of that area. Is he? I think. Oh, I think he's from Anaheim, yeah. Yeah, right? Check, check, Gary's going to look it up. I'm, I'm pretty <coughs> sure. I mean, I, and I think his son still lives there. But Julian? Help me out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Mike in a long time, but very good guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fully recovering, very, in, you know, yeah. very into the program and stuff. He was born in Massachusetts, but his family relocated to Fullerton. Fullerton. There oh, you go. Well. And where does the son live now? Is that in there somewhere? I think he still lives in that area kind of. Probably more like Brea, whatever. Yeah, that's where we're But Fullerton is – I can't – Fullerton is quite a distance from uh, – at least I think of it as being of quite a distance. Maybe there's a – From Buena Park? I think of it as that no. way. No? They border each other. Really? Yeah. Because I'm used to – the only Fullerton I know is by the, the college. Yeah. And I, I only mean, see it when I drive down the 57. Fullerton's expansive in a way you wouldn't think. It's yeah. huge. Gary's from Orange County too, so he knows the whole – you have any questions as, as an Orange County type? Doesn't that- uh, no, I mean, I, listen, I, I remember all this stuff. He's, Tarek's a few years older than me, but not many. I mean, I grew up in Diamond Bar and then moved to Newport, which is where Tarek lives now, and now I live in Brea. So, like, this is all just – I know all these areas. And I but, remember but do you remember – I remember Buena Park being someplace that, as a kid, if you were going to Knott's Berry Farm on the way out, you were making a lot of left or right turns. It was straight back to the freeway because it got a little dicey at night. Well, I knew yeah, there was a lot of gangs and, and pocket knives and like people would come up to you and ask you what gang you're from. It, it was definitely a different time. Wow. There, there yeah. was a, I remember not Spare Farm for a while, went a little south too. And yeah. I didn't realize that was all local kids. Yeah. I just, thought yeah. I just went to the part there. Oh. So it's definitely changed a lot. Wow. It's an inter- so interesting it's... place to grow up. Yeah, yeah. And then Newport's... I mean, I mean that's world. a whole other world, you yeah. know. I, I I meet these guys, you know. I call them kids, whatever. Uh, younger, you know, a few years younger than me, and grew up in like twenty million dollar houses, and I'm just like, wow, it's yeah. a different life. Yeah, my wife grew up on East Bluff, and I always used to go visit her and go, oh. <laughs> Everything's fine in Newport. The world could be coming apart, but everything's fine in Newport. It's, like, it's a little bubble. It's, it's a bubble, all right. It's so yeah. it's so it's so clicky down there. Like one neighborhood's different than the next neighborhood, and there's like the old money, the new money, the fake money, the real money. It's it's wild. What part do you live in now? Uh, I live down on the peninsula. Well, it's yeah, all the way down, down all, deep all the it? way down deep. So towards actually, the wedge or yeah, towards the uh, towards the wedge. And I actually just bought a house closed escrow on it last week, um, off of a. Uh, 
well, I probably shouldn't say where I live, well, but yeah, it's right there it, in the east side coast of Mesa. Um, so I was looking all over Newport, I couldn't find anything, and I found this like house on the cliff in east coast of Mesa, up on the hill. Yeah. And it's just the absolute n- best architecture I've ever seen on a home. It was in coast of Mesa? Yeah. Because coast of Mesa is interesting. So they're selling teardowns, 1,000 square foot houses for like 1.2, 1.3 million now, believe it or not. I mean, teardowns. It's pretty wild. So, and then 17th Street, which is Costa Mesa, Newport border, they've like tore down all the places. They're rebuilding them, restaurants. It's like completely changing to where it's actually, I would say it's going to be nicer on 17th Street than a lot of areas or most areas in Newport. What? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, right, they just opened up some amazing places, modern bars. It's it's pretty cool. All right, well, I'm going to get back down there and check yeah, it out. So yeah, I, I certainly don't think about I, the the last my last Costa Mesa experience. Went to visit a friend, see a friend's band at a bar. I forget the name of it. Not 17th Street, somewhere deeper in Costa Mesa. West Side Costa. Walk Mesa. in the bar, and a tick flew in my ear. So yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Costa Mesa is really big. So to get from one side of Costa Mesa to the other side is like 20 minute drive. That's so funny. Yeah. So there's East Side Costa Mesa. That's like the awesome area. It's like my house is like 100 that's feet, Newport. 100 feet from Newport. Newport. Yeah, yeah. So. Newport's across the street, like 100 feet away. Yeah. Um, but I ended up moving there just because I saw this house, and it's just the architecture is beautiful. You walk in, vaulted 18 foot ceilings, and it's just amazing. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer, and today over a million people use the amazing Ring video doorbell. They can protect their homes with this. You know how it works. Security begins at the front door, but it doesn't end there. So now they are extending that same level of security to the rest of your home with the Ring floodlight cam. Awesome. Just like Ring's amazing doorbell, floodlight cam is a motion-activated camera and floodlight that connects right to your phone. With HD video and two-way audio, that lets you know the moment anyone steps on your property. And then you can see and speak to them. Even set off an alarm right from your phone. That's right. With Ring's floodlight cam, when things go bump in the night, you will immediately know what it is and where it is and talk to it. Whether you're home or away, the Ring floodlight cam lets you keep an eye on your home. Ring floodlight offers the ultimate in-home security with high-visibility floodlights and a powerful HD camera that puts security in your hands. And you can save up to $150 off a Ring of Security kit when you go to ring.com, R-A-N-G, ring.com slash Drew. That is ring.com slash Drew to save $150. I don't know how we do this, but go there. Find it at ring.com slash Drew, D-R-E-W. Excited to welcome our friends at Bergamot back to the program. It's a brand that made an impact on me. I checked them out when they came to us last year. And they've got a variety of supplements that use the extract of the Bergamot citrus fruit. These supplements act as a natural statin. It may improve a number of cardiovascular conditions as well as the general problem known as the metabolic syndrome. That's high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar, insulin resistance. Bergamot seems to be very effective here. And now the makers bring you a formulation called Bergamot Sport. It provides all the same cardiovascular benefits but with additional additives designed to aid athletes and those with very active lifestyles. Bergamot Sport may help improve stamina as well as reduce recovery time for muscles and from inflammation. In an ongoing study, professional soccer players were asked to use Bergamet Sport, and the documented improvements in performance are impressive. I've used the products myself. My wife used them regularly. One of the Bergamet products has been shown to be very useful for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, an increasingly important condition. Physicians and cardiologists around the world have used it as well. And for a limited time, our listeners will save 10% on their order by entering the code Dr. Drew at checkout. That's D-R-D-R-E-W, all one word. To try Bergamet Sport for yourself, visit bergamet.com. That's B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T.com. Just click on the Bergamet banner at drdrew.com. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. A lot of times that is not the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they are not available. Now with TrueCar, of course I'm talking about TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. 
This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Yeah, you know, and we talk about all the time. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar, TrueCar.com or TrueCar app will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. Over 3,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers are available nationwide. You will get to work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer that you may contact with. And TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a faster, better buying experience when they contact a TrueCar Certified Dealer. And on average, you can expect to save over $3,000 off MSRP. Once you register, you'll see a real price on actual inventory. Hook up with that TrueCar certified dealer. Have a better buying experience. TrueCar, go to the TrueCar.com or TrueCar app. Do what I'm telling you. So you have all these crazy experiences. You, you have all this sort of, let's call it social strife. I mean, there's sort of a nice gloss for it when you were a young adolescent. You have cancer. You have a successful TV show, you have a successful business, and a successful TV show, and then a failed marriage, and then kids. And, and uh, I, I, what do we do with all this? What, what is the – do you want to help other people? Do you have a message? You know, I'm actually working on that. So f- for me, I've been through s- a lot of different traumatic experiences. I, I hear I – mean, you're not really telling me what they were, but I get that there was certainly ample soil for that all to happen, including the cancer and the divorce. Yeah. I yeah. mean, obviously, the, can- the, the cancer was really tough. And if you do care to tell me, I'm all ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, which aspect? The earlier traumas, whatever they might have been. The earlier traumas, yeah. I was, I was, um, I don't know how to politically correct say this. I was one of the, if not the only white kid growing up. Um, they, beat, they beat on you. Uh, I had a, quite a bit of issues, but then obviously they all became my friends. Yeah. And, this was um, this more more Hispanic population, no? Or is it? Yeah. More, yeah, Hispanic. Yeah. 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 Actually, so all my best friends, like I show you pictures, are pretty funny. They're they're. They're all Mexican. That's awesome. And they're my best friends. Well, my that's best friend. California. Yeah. I mean, that's who lives here. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny. So it's like I have all my like original friends I grew up with that are my close friends. Still. And their life is like totally different than my life. Which you is know? great though that you stay connected. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Do you go to them? They go to you? You share lives? Share yeah, they come down to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I would think they would want to do that. More yeah. Than, cool. And, and uh, so the traumas were just dealing with the, the social – again, the social traumas. It, it was definitely social traumas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and and I, there's there's even sort of a deeper kind of a, you know, something called intergenerational transmission of trauma. I mean, your parents were traumatized. You know, rockets hit their house, and they met under intense circumstances and had to move around a lot. I mean, this is it's just really wild stuff. stuff. But like for me, like I think of everything I've went through. I've had a lot of different struggles in my life: financial struggles, personal struggles, yeah, um, just a whole lot of struggles, and. I feel like I'm finally in a place like I was so broken after everything I went through, like literally broken that I was devastated. Like I could barely walk. I was so broken as a person after going through all the trauma and the divorce and all these different things where – Was it just depression or – it, it was just my, – my, my hormones were off and then I had this – Sort of a spiritual it's, – it's, I don't know how much time we have but I, I was – 20 minutes. I was ti- – OK. So I was tired and I thought it was from the thyroid medication. Yeah, you're complex, man. Right. But it wasn't – and so what happened Because I'm sure – listen, I'm, I'm thinking how, what your doctors had to think. So, is it the medicine? Is it the hormones? Is it the chemo? Is it the surgery? Is it having had cancer? Is it the trauma? It, 
was. Is it the right. divorce? Is it the does he have bipolar? Is it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. it was like twenty different things your doctors having to sort through. And guess here's the answer: they can't tell. Yeah, so they start screwing with everything. So here's the worst thing yeah. I ever did, which is a hundred times worse than cancer. Yeah. So my I was tired of my thyroid levels. I thought it was from my thyroid, or I thought it was from my testicular cancer. Sure. So I went and got um I, I got. I went to this Botox doctor, Uh-oh. pro-hormone clinic that oh, Jesus. My, my ex said to go check it out. Next thing I know, I'm shoving a needle in my ass and I'm taking steroids. Um, Anabolic, androgenic steroids. It was testosterone. But, oh, my you God. Know, yeah, going into it, my testosterone was at 600 and that's later normal. find out that's normal. Yeah. They had me running at 1,400. Ooh. So now – That'll make you manic and angry and all kinds of good things. It was awful. Yeah, I, yeah. I was – it was a Plus, wor- at the same time, your thyroid's up. And by the way, your thyroid, all the proteins in your blood that carry the – I'm sure you know this mm-hmm. – that carry the thyroid and carry the testosterone, that gets off too. Yeah. The, so it, the, it was, free, the free available hormone is all over the place. You know, I'm actually working on a book where I share a lot of this. Um, Good for you. But what I found out is I was completely – on way too much testosterone. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I was taking HCG injections every day because I told that oh, I was, had to. And they said I take HCG injections so that when my body's ready to recover, that my normal testosterone would be fine. So well, this, this is okay. Those are okay recommendations for a otherwise healthy young adult. No, it, it was it was awful. And on top yeah. of that, they were giving me fat burner injections with vitamin B twelve injections. Explain to people what the HCG is. HCG is whew. human chorionic chorionic granadic troponin hormone. Which is something they use for recovery from steroids, essentially. Oh, really? It's to turn your your testes back on again. Yeah. So what happened was right at you know I, I got off everything. So I was so, the second like I separated from my wife. I said, okay, it's time for to do some soul searching, figure out what's wrong with me because that, that was af- in the heels of the testosterone and everything. That, yeah. Oh my god. That was after, and then I mean the worst part before that is I hurt my back and I was taking like oh, it was the worst experience of my life. I got Jesus. back surgery. I went from two hundred thirty oh, pounds to one hundred sixty eight pounds. So I had the cancer, oh. and then I got the second cancer, and then four months after I recovered from the second cancer, I hurt my back. Then I lost sixty pounds. I was on like ten Vicodin in a day. Um, oh my! God. And on top of that, my my meds were off, my hormones were off, and I'm on pain meds and narcotics, and I'm filming and I'm oh, working. Oh my god! And yeah, it was, I'm so angry at your doctors. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Like it was, it was really rough. Three, I, four I, years. I deal with this all the time, where people are mortified by what my peers do to people. Sometimes. No, it's 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 wild. So this lady had me at fourteen hundred, oh. and then I dropped. I got off everything. I dropped to one hundred fifty pounds. No, from 150 oh, t- testosterone. Oh, yeah, because your t- testes are shut off. Yeah, so I called her. I was like, plus, hey, I was like, hey when tennis. is it going to go back up? She's oh. like, well, there's you know, there's no guarantee. I'm like, what are you talking about? When you gave me that shit, you said it was going to go back up when I get off it. So, and on top of this, the the steroids I was taking or the testosterone, whatever you want to call it, yeah. I was um, taking 250 milligrams of levothyroxine, and then my doctor gave me five micrograms of um, cytomel. cytomel. This lady that was giving me the testosterone put me on 30. 30 so, of cytomel? Cytomel, 30 oh micrograms. So now I'm taking 250 levothyroxine, 30 cytomel. Let me tell people, listen, <laughs> 250 of, of uh, is is already two and a half times normal, sort of high normal thyroid replacement, yeah. which is okay. I mean, it's not crazy because they're also trying to suppress your cancer. It's not totally crazy. But then when you add all that cytomel in, if I, if I wanted to just like come up with a potion to make somebody manic, I think this would be the perfect potion. The testosterone, the cytomel, and the hydrocytomel. It was awful. I mean, this is the first time I got to talk about this stuff. Oh, and this so is like sorry. the stuff I really want to spend time and like share with people. And that's why I want to like help people to understand things because oh. it was, it was just a horrifying experience. And then like the cancer, the cancer, the back. And then, you know, I was tired and it was just, and then I had Dude, a, did anxiety you, did your attacks. Did wife understand what was going on still? 
Oh um, man, that's that's a shame. I'm sorry because um, you you were. I, I it kills me when people are when my peers make people sick. It makes me. It, makes it, it me, was awful. And then and then so being over medicated, I would have anxiety attack and panic attacks on top of being on the the testosterone injections. Oh. And it, and then I would have heart palpitations. So then I had a heart monitor I was wearing because I thought I was going to have a heart attack because my heart was skipping beats. Well, you could have. And I was running from the skipping, yeah. but from all those medicines. And I was like running at like 130, 140 beats a minute, which is way too high. So anyway, were, were these just, doctors talking amongst themselves at all? No, like yeah. the, the lady that did you were you honest with them about who you? Were, yeah, you, the you lady that God. messed me up is the lady that put me on testosterone injections. I at get a, it. It was an anti aging clinic. I get it. And they screwed me up, like literally needles in my ass every day. It's, like, it's a great cautionary tale. I mean, I, I look upon those anti-aging personally as the anti-aging clinic, and I think like, oh, I'd sure like to do that. Wouldn't that be nice if I – you know, I mean, I, I can feel I'd level more testosterone, a little growth hormone. That would be so awesome, just a little bit. But this is a great cautionary tale. This is medicine done poorly. Yes, and on top of that, she wanted to put me on um, – Human growth hormone on that's top what, of the that's t- what I, that's on I'm top saying. of everything, that's, and, and I, I would I would be a perfect yeah. candidate for her. But but I have prostate cancer. Yeah, I'm not I'm, a, and I'm not a doctor, yeah. so I told her I'm like, but what about my cancer? Yeah, she's like, oh no, it's fine. I'm like, well, I read online that it can actually um, create like it's not good for people that have cancer. So she's like, okay, we won't give that to you. And I, sh- I should have known as a red flag. Yeah, and she didn't talk to your 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 oh, no. uh, oncologist or anything. So you, you probably so you had an oncologist. You probably had an oncologist, a endocrinologist. A urologist, a aging specialist, and none of them talk to each other. No, and, and then an orthopedic surgeon or a neurosurgeon or something for your yep. back, and nobody spoke to each other. That to me Nothing. is. Let me just let me just do a little public service announcement for a minute. I like that. that you're it's, understanding everything I'm saying. Oh yeah, I do. It's why you need a primary care doctor, everybody. It's why they need an internist or a family practitioner, somebody that that somebody like you, Tarek, would come to and go. Here's what's going on. Is that, would you look at everything and tell me does this seem right to you? And then that doctor can go call all these different people and, and navigate all this for you. You can't do it yourself. It's it's too. I get confused navigating the medical system. I'm a doctor. Yeah. I you cannot expect the patient to do it, especially just with two, two – I'm laughing because it's sad. Two simultaneously diagnosed cancers, one of which really requires a high dose of thyroid associated with it that will give you palpitations, that will give you mania, that can give you pain in your back. And then somebody's going to go jump in with a bunch of testosterone. I mean, I am just. I, I love this conversation. By the way, this is the conversation I've wanted to have for a long time because you understand everything I'm saying. Though. Like, yeah, it's going to be the average person would not because it, and you're unfortunately there's a whole there's a whole layer to this too because I I can imagine how psychiatrically fucked you were and interpersonally fucked you were because it, it of was that. it was oh awful God. and. It oh was so bad. Like I'm after so separating and losing my family, I was like, I'm going to do every single thing I can to, to be the back. best person I can be. Get and I can, I can say standing here today, I'm the best version of myself I ever thought I could be. Well, that's, I had a sense that you were doing something sort of extra good right now. That's why I'm wondering if you have something to offer other people now that you've been through all this. You not be ready yet because this is pretty fresh stuff. Yeah, you know, I've been through so many different things yeah. like, you know, the sickness, the divorce, the cancer, success, mm. uh, mental health, physical health, like so many different problems where I actually – I do want to give back because I know like people have helped me and I, 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 I remember how important it was for positive support for people mm. helping. So right now I'm working on a new uh, potential uh, – 
you know, show might be a Facebook show called the Pick Me Up or the Pick Me Up Project where I go in and, and I meet with someone that's struggling financially, cancer, sickness, you know, divorce, uh, fi- financial issues, doesn't matter what it is. And I go up there and I actually talk to them like we're talking right now and give them my advice. You know, if, if I were sort of designing that show, uh, I would urge you to bring in, I know we have a mutual friend in Jason Waller, the two of you would be a very interesting one-two punch. Yeah, that would be interesting dynamic actually. Yes. I think we both talk a lot, so I don't think uh, anyone else would be able to talk. Well, you need a <laughs> you need a producer or something to keep you guys under wraps. <laughs> yeah, but but because you both you know have, have interesting experiences. Yeah. Uh, oh man, I'm getting exhausted just you know thinking about all this. Well, on top of that, I'm ADHD too. Well, are you probably on a still a modest dose of thyroid, like one and a half or something, right? No. So now I take no cytomel. So I went from 30 micrograms to zero. Levothyroxine. I went from 250 to 200, and I'm perfect. Okay, 200 still a lot. Yeah, but like my heart rate, it still runs high. I mean, like, that's the two hundred. I mean, but but you need to be on, with the papillary carcinoma. You need to be on yeah, a bunch of it. Yeah, it prevents the recurrence. So not exactly. prevents. It helps prevent. Yeah. It, it, no, it really does. Really suppress it very effectively. And and how were you treated with the two cancers? I haven't heard that yet. The the chemo or whatever you had. Uh, well, so with you the thyroid cancer, the... radioactive iodine, oh, and my, surgery, yeah. and then testicular cancer, I just had surgery. Oh, really? So it was localized. It was not. Uh, yeah. I got oh, lucky. you're so lucky. I did a metastasize. So, okay. but yeah, and like I just, you know, just talking about it makes me feel so much better because you understand what I went through. It was the absolute. Get yourself an internal medicine doctor. Get, get yes. one of those concierge guys that'll pay attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like now, now I'm like and, on top of everything, but yeah. it's so hard to explain. Like I'll be like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm they I'm, won't, they, they, no one will understand because these are, these are rarefied experiences, almost every single one of them. Yeah. They, and unless your clinician has seen all the different things that can happen and know exactly what you're talking about, but no one will have a sense. Of it. Yeah, and yeah. I was messed up so bad. I mean, I had like everything. I had finances. I had the uh. TV show. I had my kids, and I would find myself like just sitting alone and like just being depressed, you know. And it's it's because of all the shit that was being pumped into my body, just turned me into someone that wasn't me. Well, the good news about all that is that if once you get that biology squared, it kind of you know it's not like you need. Years and years of psychological services to bring you back in line. You'll just kind of come back in line once you get the biology. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, and then when you're going through that that stuff, you you don't realize that it's not real. So, like a lot of times, I'll write my words on paper. I'll post them on Instagram. So when I was going through this, I thought that was my reality. I thought that was my life. Give an example. Uh, Just. Just the anxiety, the panic attacks, the, the the mood swings, the ups, the downs, the mania, the the depression, like all these different things. I just thought that's how people lived. Like oh. I didn't realize I had changed right. because I was living that life. And now right. twenty twenty hindsight, looking back, right. I, I look at it and I say, right. How in the hell did I film a show? How did I how did I build a company? How did I start companies? Like how did I do all these things? And I was so spun out from all the, the shit they gave me that I mean Honestly, like I am the happiest I've ever been. Good for you. Today because I don't feel the way I felt. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. And, yeah. and you probably can continue to feel better as you sort of find other richer kinds of territory that you can genuinely be interfaced with as opposed to whatever that was when you're in those altered states. Yeah. Not fun. No, it's not fun. And it's not fair. And it's – it's and again, personally, I get very – Hurt. It actually hurts me to, to, when I have to deal with the, the opioid crisis all the time. That my peers kill my patients and do all kinds of by using you give them the opiates all I'll the time. I'll give you another example. My back. I'm not kidding. Was the most horrific experience of my life. Mm-hmm. I was taking anywhere between eight to ten either Vicodin, Percocet, or Dilaudid oh. every day. So 
I was 168 pounds. I'm not a small guy. And my chest bones were sticking out. And my face was white. My eyes were black. And this was right after the cancer. So the first cancer, the second cancer, then the back. Then I was taking all those opiates. It was a nightmare trying to film. At one point, they had to bring a special chair on set. They would literally help me stand up. I would hobble to do my scene. And then they would help me go back and sit on in this zero gravity chair. So and then after the back, I had the surgery. Then I had complications. I don't. The night they sent me home from the surgery, it was the exact same night. They gave me pain meds. They forgot to give me anti-nausea. So I was downstairs in a bedroom and I couldn't take the pain meds because I was throwing up, which I just had my surgery. Another thing is they had the catheter in my yeah. whatever you call your, that. In your my, bladder catheter. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. my pee hole. I yeah. guess that's what we're going to call urethra, it. Urethra. And they didn't check it, so I went home and then I had to go to the bathroom. So I was by myself, no pain meds, throwing up, and then I'd go to the bathroom. I'd stand in front of the toilet for like 15 minutes. I couldn't go to the bathroom and then I'd go a little bit and then a little blood would come out and I was like, I got to the point where I thought my bladder was going to explode. So I oh, called 911 at 7 in the morning. And then, what did it, then they had to catheterize you, and that hurt like yeah, hell. Yeah, but then and then I go to the emergency room. They try to send me home, and I was like, "There's no, I'm not going home. I'm tired of this shit." Long story short, I ended up spending a whole week in the hospital because there was complications with the surgery, mm. and they should never have sent me home. And then, but the worst part about it was not being able to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. It would take me like 15 minutes to get from the bed to the toilet, and it was like 12 feet away. It was just because of the pain. Because it, it was yeah. I literally had a major back surgery, and this was like eight hours later. I was by myself, no pain meds, throwing up, can't go to the bathroom. And then, I, and then, oh my God, later on I had nerve attacks. One day I was at my house just walking. All of a sudden my, my body starts like electrocuting itself. Your legs start jumping around? Yeah. So you're yeah. Familiar, it was the most painful thing ever too. So it's like, holy shit. Like I went through so much stuff that I feel like – Now that's usually because pressure on something called the spinothalamic tract. So something was going wrong in the disc that whatever they messed with was now pushing on the spinal column. Is that, it, it went away by itself. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I literally hit the floor, Oof. and I was screaming, like screaming. All of a sudden, it stops, and I would count to like five, and then all of a sudden, it would come back, and it was just like flopping like a fish. It, it was awful, like, and that's why I say like I want to work on this new show called Pick Me Up or the Pick Me Up Project is where I go in and I like I tell someone that's dealing with like depression or these things. I was like, this is not your life. This is that not your reality. You, well, that, that's the that's the next thing I wanted to say, which is you, you're speaking very vividly about how difficult it is to be objective about your own condition when you're in a certain subjective state. I, I mean. I think about this when I think about the homeless population. Mm-hmm. They they are in a state, and when you get them out of it, they look back and go, "Why didn't somebody get me out of that state I was in? I didn't want who it's disgusting. You let me. I'm a sh- you should be ashamed of yourself letting me sit like that in the, in yep. the riverbed in Santa Ana, whatever it was. Yeah. Because when they get out of it, they they realize that that's not good. And no bueno. They they very upset. And but when you're in it, you're just in it. Right. And the, the hard part is like some people. Look at what I went through, and they're not like acknowledging it or accept- they, it's hard to understand it. I bet it's like you know, and then someone tells you you're making excuses. Oh no! Um, I'm like, no, these aren't ex- this. This shit's real. Well, like you, you have to, you have to own your piece, but figuring out which piece that is going to be. Yeah, I, I like. I always like. I'm the type of guy like I own my shit. If yeah. I mess up, I say I mess up. Well, and- it's hard, but be fair to yourself that that you're talking about being in some very cloudy waters. And it'd be hard to figure out. It'd take a long time to figure out what was your piece. It took really, losing everything I had to figure out what was wrong. Yeah. I literally, I did lose everything. Mm. I'd not only lost, you know, my wife and my marriage, and and you know, that's not the only reason. Obviously, there are many reasons, but obviously, that's a big contributing factor. What? What? Um, 
you know, going through all that health stuff. You know, obviously it was hard on my, oh, my yeah. ex-wife. Well, you, it was well, hard saying, on my kids. It was hard. Yeah, you're saying there was all this crazy medical stuff and I had a piece in it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, going – looking back, it's like – it's it's almost like a blessing because I will never, ever feel like that again. I will never act like that again. And I know what's real and what's not real. So well, like – But you also are describing yourself as – I'm sorry for interrupting, but a little bit – like you had a kind of a narcissism before all this or maybe not even a narcissism. may have been sort of a sense of invincibility correct. that has, has, been, has now been sort of tested in, in real time and now you're more uh, – Yeah. I was, oh, humility. It's Maybe like anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely humility. I'm yeah. like a completely different person. But, I, you know, growing up the way I grew up and going through my entire life, um, I tell people now because I'm more open now. I said, well, I had a lot of insecurities sure. and I also felt like I had to prove people wrong because I was insecure about myself and who I was, mm-hmm. which drove me to work and become successful. And I always thought that success and money and all these different things would – make me feel like I did it and it, ne- it never changed anything. Right. Never fixed it. Never fixed. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, people would ask me at, the, at you know, back in the time when we separated, I said, I'd give away everything I have to live in a box with my family. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Um, obviously, that's not on the table anymore. But um, Well, but that, that, though, that message could be part of your new cause, your new show, yeah, Facebook show. I just want people yeah. to know that what they think is their reality isn't real. Like, they can step out they can look at themselves as a third person and really learn that they can they don't have to feel like that like you don't the problem is when you're feeling like that you think that's real you think that's normal feelings but they're really not normal like other people don't live like that you know it's well i i i do know and i understand what you're saying and i think there's even bigger messages you're you're talking about when you're in an extreme situation but i think this country's got a big dose of that right now. And so that, your message is actually kind of timely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it is about not getting caught up in things and, and getting outside of yourself and find, figuring out what's important. Yeah, I find that, you know, the, 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 I mean, I have a whole new life. Like, I'm so happy. And, and I realize that, you know, don't sweat the small things. Life is good. Be happy. It doesn't matter. Like, we're not coming back. We're only here one time. You know, we have one shot at this thing. And, and give me a little more on and how you maintain that and what, what you recommend to people to, to – to, yeah, other than having to go through hell and back. How, how do you – That's actually <laughs> the, the book title I was thinking about, Hell and Back. Yeah, you should call it that. As but go, other, other than hell and back, you know, how does it, a person maybe isn't experiencing hell get that feeling and stay with it? Well, for me, it was rock bottom. So, so yeah. Yeah. Rock bottom. But I still get the feeling that you're doing stuff right now to maintain – you're, you're oh, ab- absolutely. And, and I, the way I'm thinking of it these days to sort of feed your soul. Exactly. So stuff. even today, like, you know, I have ups and downs and the difference is when I'm down and I'm like, you know, like upset or not feeling a little depressed or whatever it is. Like I tell myself, okay. That's what this is. You're feeling this. Yeah, yeah. You're going to go through this and it's bullshit. It's not real because it goes away Do you and reach you're going to be fine. Do you reach out to the people and keep people around you to support you, that kind of thing? No, because the difference is now when I'm feeling like that, I know it's not reality. You know it'll pass. It'll pass. It's yeah. not reality. And one of the big things that actually did help me and people think I'm crazy about it, but I, I started doing this like gnarly, crazy hot yoga, this place oh, called yeah. Radiant yeah. in Newport Beach. And it is so hot. Like it will take away any stress you've ever had in your entire life. Well, just being in your body is important. Yeah. Right? And then taking care of your body. And But but I'm I'm, I'm interested in what you have to say about connecting to others too because I get this feeling you're connected in a way you probably weren't before. 
uh, to other people? Just other people I know or just people in general? Both. You know, like obviously people I know, you know, I'm kind of like <laughs> the, you know, my family. I'm like the rock of my family. Everybody comes to me. I'm the rock for my friends. Were you always and, that way or is that new? Um, well, I've always kind of been, but mm-hmm. now like I'm much better. Like I'm a much better person, so it's a lot easier for me to express myself. Like I talk a lot, and I'm very open. I'm, I'm vulnerable. Like I don't hide. I'm expressive, you know. Um, but when I when I see people struggling, it reminds me of what I went through, and I really, really, truly want to help them. Like okay. because I know how awful that pain is, and I okay. know they can get out of the pain, but they have to talk to the right people and do the right things. And a lot of time, people don't have the the access to certain things they need to fix themselves. And they don't have the people telling them or pushing them to do it. And while they're going through it, they don't even know they're going through and they don't know what they're supposed and, to do. And, and that's what this new thing's going to be about, the new show, you think? It's going to be about many different things. Because I, I, if you can keep it in that spot, I think it could be very helpful. Well, well that, that's what it is. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going, you know, I'm going to meet a family in a few weeks where, you know, their son has um, a type, rare type of cancer and they, they can't, like, he can't be around other kids. So I'm going to go out there. I'm going to play with a kid. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to work on building him a playset in the backyard. And I, right. I just want to put a big smile on his face. And I just shot another one with this, this young guy. He has cystic fibrosis. He had two double lung transplants. Oh, my God. The first one failed. The second one um, is doing okay. But then his appendix just burst. He was in the <laughs> ICU unit. So actually, I went and met him at the ICU unit. So it's like meeting these people and hearing these stories and like with him, like I did a few little things for him. He was a huge fan of the show and like he was like crying and so happy and so thankful. And he was like, you just like just made my day and you just put a smile on my face. Like it was the best feeling for me. It doesn't take a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like showing up is three quarters of it. Yeah, and it's like anything. You know, I treat everybody the same. All walks of life. You know, there's. I open the door. Like I'm just like we're no different. We're we're all people. Like race. You know, color. um, You know, finances. uh, Like job or whatever you want to call it. Doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're all people, and we need support. We need help. We need guidance. And I think what separates the people that make it and the people that don't is the people that make it are the ones that reach out for help. I would agree. You said a lot of great stuff. I, I sort of want to leave it, let it sit right there because I, I, I just I think we've said it all. You know, as Howard Stern would say, "You've said it all." Yeah. <laughs> and is there anything else you want to say? I feel like you've pretty well framed where you're at, what you've been through, yeah, well, how you can help other people, what's going forward, what to look forward to. Yeah, I'm working on a few different things. So obviously, we're still shooting flip or flop. We have the real estate uh, coaching company, Real Estate Elevated. We're teaching people across the U.S. and Canada um, how to get into house flipping and flipping houses. You know, have a production company, uh, real estate sales company, investment company. Um, Send people to or a website or anything for people to go to. uh, No, I mean, I I started my Instagram a little over a year ago. I think it's at the real Tarek El Musa, and then my Facebook page is Tarek El Musa. But uh, no, life's good. I'm happy, and my, my goal in life is to put a smile on people's faces and share my experiences and help them get out of any sh- uh, shitty situations they're in. All right, man. We'll leave it at that. Pleasure. Thank you for sharing all that with us. I really do appreciate it. So that's that, and uh, we'll see you all next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. 
The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Thank you.